Hi everyone, welcome back. I've been away over at the last few weeks as you may have noticed. Um, put a sermon up last week but this is the first one of these videos I've recorded in the last few weeks. I had a bit of a break over the summertime. Uh, if you've been sort of watching along I hope that you had a good summer and if you haven't been watching along and you've just come to this video long after I uploaded it then welcome and good to see you as well. Um, I hope you had a good summer whenever it, it last was. Um, but in this video we're going to be starting uh, to think about judges and I say starting I mean we're we're sort of coming in halfway through the book and that's just kind of the the way it's worked out I link uh, these videos that I do with um, some sort of other other talks that I do so uh, we're coming in halfway through the book but I I hope that this will be an interesting and kind of helpful nonetheless um, if you're studying the book of Judges and you, you want to think about it particularly I think these last few uh, or sort of the last half of Judges from chapter 8 onwards it just gets progressively worse and worse and I think a lot of people really struggle with how to understand it you know all of the violence that goes on and there's a lot of um, blood and guts and there's you know all of that kind of thing going on and so I think a lot of Christians really struggle with how to understand Judges and that's why I wanted to do this series in thinking you know um, how do we understand Judges how do we um, how do we make sense of it as Christians with all of the things going on? And actually, this is I know it's it's halfway through the book, but this is actually a pretty good point to come in because I think it does kind of recap uh, a lot of the themes that that went on uh, in the previous few uh, few weeks in Judges. So we're going to be looking at Judges chapter eight, verses twenty-two to thirty-five, and. Throughout looking at Judges, I'm not going to read the whole passage out. Some of the passages are very long. This isn't too long a passage, but if you want to read the passage before, then I'm going to ask you to, to go uh, hop over onto Bible Gateway and, uh, and go and listen to it or go and read it there. And I'll put the link in the description below if you'd like to, uh, to, to read or listen to the passage before. I will refer to bits as we go through, um, but I'm not going to read it all. That would just take too long. Uh, so, um, judges, this this video I've entitled it "When Leaders Disappoint," or you know, when leaders let us down. And you know, there's been a lot of that that's happened lately. I remember um, reading a, a newspaper uh, two or three weeks ago where it said that Theresa May had been the worst prime minister that we'd ever had. Now, I think that's maybe a bit harsh, um, but that's. That's the thing. That's the kind of times that we're living in. You know, it seems like all of the leaders that we have are being. Uh, no one is is happy with our leadership, and everyone is is disappointing, especially in our political leaders. You know, it seems like everyone is is a disappointment. Uh, I think that's also true spiritually, um, perhaps not to such an extent, but certainly we've been very aware over the last few months of how spiritual leaders can disappoint and can let us down as well. So, you know, we had some sad cases where leaders in, in churches had been uh, abusing um, people and had been misusing their power and, and so on. And really, even spiritual leaders had, uh, had not behaved in a way that, that they should do. And this is, this is the thing that leaders can and do 
uh, regularly disappoint us. In fact, it's it's almost become a a bit of a cliche, really, that we just kind of have grown to expect uh, that is what what leaders do. And we don't expect anyone to to live up to their promises. We're very cynical about it, especially in the UK. I think we are very cynical about our leaders and particularly political leaders. Well, that's the context of um, of our country at the moment. And I think that is also important to bear in mind when we go into to judges, because judges is I think that one of the big questions that judges is thinking about at this point is about leaders and about human leaders. You know, what kind of leader do we need? Who will actually uh, rescue us and, and help us and, and do what they promise? Uh, now, just to, to put this into context in the book of Judges, and we're coming to the end of the story of Gideon. And Gideon, he had just won a, an amazing victory against the, uh, the Midianites, over the Midianites, the, the enemies of Israel. He won an amazing victory, being used by God in a, in a wonderful way. And uh, this is right at the end of, of that story. And so the people, they uh, said to, to Gideon, and this is um, chapter 8, verse 22, if you want to, to follow along. They said, rule over us, you, your son and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of, of Midian. So basically what they were doing is they were asking Gideon to be king. Now they were saying, um, you, your son, your grandson, they were basically talking about a sort of um, a dynasty, you know, just really like a king. That's what they wanted. And they were grateful. They were grateful for what Gideon had done for them. And so they said, you know, yes, we, we're really grateful for you. Please be our king. And um, you might wonder where that gratitude goes towards the end of the passage. But we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Well, Gideon, he says to them, look, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. All of that is very pious sounding, but it, it does have its basis in in truth, I mean, in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 7, for example, when the people ask uh, Samuel for a king, the Lord says to Samuel, uh, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And so that's what God uh, God said that actually when the people asked for a king, they'd rejected God as, as the king. And so when Gideon said, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. You know, he is saying something in, you know, which is right, which is that, you know, God wants God wants to rule over you and, and you listen to him and not to kind of like a, a human uh, king, as it were. Um, I think there is an ambiguity, though in what uh, Gideon kind of says, is he, is he saying God will rule over you to, in, in, in the sense that, that God intended, or is he trying to duck out of some of the responsibilities? And the kind of the, the ambiguity kind of comes up again as we go through that passage. So he, he makes this slightly odd request of the Israelites, he asks them for their gold earrings and they give them to him 
and the the the, the weight of them was um, 1700 shekels about about 20 kilograms you know that's quite a lot of gold and he made uh, an ephod now what's an ephod an ephod is one of the priestly garments and if you're interested in uh, reading up about the details of it. It was what the high priest wore and you can read about it in Exodus chapter 28. Go back and have a look at Exodus 28 and that will tell you all about the, the details of how it was to be made. It had the names of all the tribes of Israel on it and um, one of the things about the, the ephod was that it had um, the Urim and Thummim. Now um, Urim and Thummim, we don't know much about how they were used but it was well, we believe to, to kind of help them to discern which way the Lord wanted them to go. You know, they would ask God a question and he would answer with the Urim or the, the Thummim. And that was that was the high priest's job to sort of have that um, uh, kind of um, uh, have, I guess, you know, not, not like your sense of having messages from God, but just direction from God. Well, I, I wonder, you know, because Gideon, you think back. Um, to, uh, no, we didn't look at this in these videos, but in the earlier uh, part of Judges, then Gideon, he puts out a fleece before God. And one time the fleece is, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. And the next day um, the fleece is wet and the ground is dry. I can't remember which way around it was. But Gideon kind of got that message from, from God. And I just wonder whether Gideon has got ideas about himself. And he's starting to think, ah, oh, you know what? I have a special hotline to God. I have a, a kind of special um, insight. God tells me things. And maybe Gideon is starting to get ideas about who he is and his, his relationship with God. Now, ideas a little bit above his station, so to speak. And it led to idolatry. And it says all Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So without learning all of the lessons that we've learnt already in the book of Judges, the people start worshipping this ephod rather than worshipping God. And you just, if you've been reading through the book of Judges so far here, you just want to put your head in your hands and shake your head and say, why? Why do you never learn? Why do you always go and do that? But it's a very human tendency. It's something which we just do. You know, we put too much faith in in human beings. We put too much faith in, in objects and things and not enough in God. And, you know, you, you, we still see this today. You know, the cult of success. You know, someone leads a successful church, for example, or if the numbers really grow, then you think, right, well, let's get them. Let's put them on the stage. Let's find out all the tips, all the secrets for um, for getting success. Let's um, you know get the strategies. Let's get the let's get their steps to success, rather than focusing on the important things, you know, which the Bible tells us that that we need to be doing. And it, it's so easily done, you know, focusing on thinking that people will solve all our problems, or thinking that things will solve all our problems, rather than trusting in God, who alone. Will, will help us and save us. So what happened then to Gideon? Well, he, uh, we have a, a sort of um, summary in verse 28. Midian was subdued before the Israelites. 
Um, during Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. So, like I said, this is the an interesting bit in, of Judges to, to come in on, because um, this is the last time that we see peace in the book of Judges. From here on out, it just keeps on getting worse and worse. And so Gideon, he uh, it starts calling him Jerobal, which was his uh, his original name. And he says he went back home to live and he had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. I don't know if I can imagine having 70 children, um, but uh, there uh, Gideon did. Uh, 70 children and he had many wives. Who else, if you know your Bible, who else had uh, many wives and many children? And you might think of Solomon or even someone like David. You know, it was something that kings used to do. And it's interesting that uh, Gideon is saying, no, I'm not going to be a king. But he's living very much like a king, isn't he? And again, even more so, his concubine who lived in Shechem bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. The name Abimelech means my father is king. And you wonder what on earth is going on with Gideon at this point. He said to them, I don't want to be king, but here he is living like a king, even naming one of his sons, my father is the king. You think, what, what's going on there? And um, obviously, like a lot of politicians now or a lot of people, I think you know, they like all of the privileges that come with being in power, but they don't like the responsibility. And I wonder if this was the case with Gideon. You know, he liked the, the kind of um, all the perks of being the king. He liked all the good things, the many wives. He liked kind of perhaps living in a... Um, a better house. He liked people paying him respect, giving him their stuff. Um, but he didn't really like the responsibilities of being the king. And so he kind of lived like a king without the actual responsibility of being a king. And I think this, this just little passage says a lot about what Gideon was like. And then after that, uh, the Israelites, they they forgot God. So as soon as Gideon died, he said, again, the, uh, the Israelites, they um, prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Beret as their God and did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. So Israel forgot God. And I like that the, the narrator just adds a little comment, who had rescued them. Now, it wasn't Gideon at the end of the day who'd rescued them, but it was God who had rescued them. And the Israelites forgot God who had rescued them. And they forgot Gideon. They says they, uh, they failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jeroboam in spite of all the good things he had done for them. So although at one point they wanted to make him king, they didn't show any loyalty to him or to his family, which they should have done. But they, they forgot him as well. Forgetting, it, it's a pretty terrible thing. And, you know, we should... Pay, uh, pay respect to our leaders. You know, it talks in the New Testament uh, several times about this, uh, about how we should um, respect our leaders and, and, and how we should, uh, particularly those uh, spiritual leaders who, you know, there's um, a Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, uh, talks about, you know, um, consider 
uh, your leaders who spoke the word to them, follow their example, um, and so that you might get the same outcome in, in their way of life, you know, lead uh, a life which leads to the way of life. Um, so what can we conclude as we come to the end of this, this passage? And going back to what we were, what, how we started out and thinking, you know, that every leader disappoints. I think it's good to remember that every human leader is going to be a disappointment. That every human leader is flawed and, and sinful. And I think it's really important for us to be realistic about that and not to think that political leaders or spiritual leaders or, or any human leader in any field or walk of life is going to be the one who will fix everything and save everyone and make it all good. Because everyone is flawed in, in all sorts of different ways. You know, I'm not the leader that uh, I should be. Uh, I can say the same about any church leader in the country. You know, that by God's grace, we do good and um, we, we uh, accomplish his purposes. But actually, that we are not the ones who will solve all of the problems. And if we look to any human leader to do that, then we are looking to the wrong guy or the wrong woman. Uh, we have to be realistic and we mustn't idolise anyone. At the same time, I think it's important not to demonise anyone, you know, not to say that um, any one leader is the source of all of our problems as well, because that's not true either. I know that when Trump came to power and then re more recently sort of Boris Johnson, some people have kind of almost tried to pin everything wrong in society on, on them. And I think that's wrong. You know, that we mustn't idolise, but we mustn't demonise anyone either. You know, people are flawed, but they, there is good in them and there is, there is bad in them. And that's the same with everyone. Now, we have to remember that. And we have to remember that, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, people just don't have the power to change everything. That only God has the power uh, to, to change things for good or for bad. I think the second thing is to remember that all glory goes to God for all our achievements. You know, then that's one of the things that Gideon didn't do. That he did say, you know, the Lord will, will rule over you, but then he didn't sort of stop the people worshipping or, you know, he, and he should have said, look, God is the one who saved you. God is the one who brought you out of the hand of the Midianites. And it's the same with us, you know, all of our achievements, whatever we think that we've achieved in life, Ultimately, it comes from God. All of our uh, the good things that we've done, all of our achievements. Now, there's a psalm, Psalm 115, verse 1, and it just begins, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And I think that's a, a lovely thing to remember, you know, that um, it's not at the end of the day, it's not our pride, it's not our achievement, but we can give the glory to God for saving and for doing uh, wonderful things. And we must remember that first and foremost in all of the good things that have happened. It's through God that, that good things happen, that things can be achieved. And it's really important to remember that there's only one leader who doesn't disappoint. There's only one leader who, who doesn't disappoint and that leader is, is Jesus. Let me read you and finish by, by reading a few verses from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. 
And this is talking about Jesus as a priest and contrasting him with um, the, the previous priesthood, you know, with men who died. Um, but uh, now he, uh, the writer to Hebrews is saying, contrasting Jesus and saying how much superior he is to them. And he says, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all, when he offered himself. Uh, so Jesus is the one who truly meets our needs. He truly meets our deepest needs. He is the leader, the only leader, who will not disappoint and will never disappoint because he is the Son of God. He is the one who has the power to do what he promises and he will always do what he promises. He doesn't back down, but he keeps his promises and he has the power and authority to, to back that up and he loves us and he always does what is right and, and all of those kind of things. Everything you want in a leader is in Jesus and he is the only one who cannot disappoint us and will never disappoint us. And that's something to give thanks for. So I hope that you've enjoyed this video and I hope that you enjoy this series as we go through um, the book of Judges together. Please do like the video if you've enjoyed it and please do click subscribe if you want to, to see more videos like this and I usually post up about one a week uh, in these videos. And thank you very much for watching everyone. Um, I hope that you enjoy. Please do uh, comment and uh, tell me what you liked and um, yeah, I hope to see you again for another video very soon. God bless.